You're listening to the Calvary Presbyterian Church Podcast. How did this man wind up living among the tombs? It says that his community had tried to chain him there. I find it hard to believe they couldn't come up with a chain strong enough. They must have known him. They must have known that even if he broke those weak chains, he wouldn't hurt them. He had friends in the community, but they felt unsafe with him roaming the neighborhood, ranting and howling. He was sick in his spirit. He had mental health problems, like every one in five American adults, like every two in five high school students in this country. In Bible speak, unclean simply means sick. That mentally ill, garrison man bruises himself with stones as if to punish himself, as if to stone himself. As an HIV positive gay man approaching 60, I identify with this man living among the tombs. I have lived longer with HIV than without it. And yes, my physical body is fine. This is not like something I'm telling you. um, But I still grieve. I grieve and I live among tombs in my mind for all those who died too early. It was so unfair. Dying so young and how they were persecuted as they died. Sometimes I wonder why I made it. Perhaps it's because I can preach this sermon and tell you that complicated grief, like a chronic disease, is not a fatal condition. It fluctuates. There are good days and bad days, but it's manageable. Untreated, serious mental illness, though, can be life-threatening. My friend Thomas Crosby is the chaplain for the psychiatric lockdown unit in a hospital on the peninsula. Thomas teaches his patients that taking their essential medications must become their spiritual practice. I think Jesus would love that. I also feel like someone here might need to hear me say this. Take your medication if it saves your life. God has work for you. Have you seen this world? There is work to be done. As I said earlier in the service, exorcism was to the early church as psychotherapy is to us today. Intense group therapy. Our cultural misconceptions of biblical demon possession was solidified by the 1973 movie, The Exorcist, where a dashing young priest launches spiritual warfare against, you guessed it, a teenage girl who levitates herself and curses and vomits pea soup. Of course, the movie was a sensation, but what misconception isn't? I begged my mother to take me to see The Exorcist. I was nine and my tastes were not fully formed. My friend's mother wouldn't even let him listen to the movie's theme song. When it came on the radio, she would turn it off. No, my mother stopped. The power of Christ compels you. 
Now let's be clear. There is no devil music. You can't get the devil in you by listening to music. Some polka bands, I don't know. Uh, they come close. Sorry if, if yeah, Judith is here. Let's realize the timeless relevance of this old, old story by freeing ourselves from the superstitions we've imposed on it. Sister Tusca Lee and I often talk about the freedom we have found in Jesus. We can't describe it, really. We try to. People want us to. But we've gotten there only through the mercy of God. Once you've experienced freedom in God, nothing will compare ever again. It is worth this life's journey to get there. Did you notice that the demoniac recognizes Jesus and calls him by name? So does the demon in chapter 1 of Mark. It seems in Mark's gospel, the demons know Jesus better than the crowds do. The Gerasene demoniac even kneels before Jesus and begs for mercy. Jesus doesn't shy away. He conducts an intake interview like any good healer, but he doesn't get past that first question. What is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. The name Legion is a clear reference to the occupying Roman forces. Yes, Jesus' political preferences are thinly veiled in symbols, in actions, and well-calculated aggressions. The Legion goes down with the unclean animals into the sea. Now, the empire understood that the early church was about building a world of shared power and shared goods. They weren't like the empire at all. And the religious leaders of his day willfully misunderstood Jesus' message that salvation was about living together in peace with the Holy Spirit in this world. The old systems were about power over. Jesus was about power with. Legion, representing the great imperial oppressor, negotiates passage from the man to the pigs. Now about these pigs. Though deemed unclean in Judaism and later in Islam too, pigs were part of the local garrison economy. These 2,000 pigs could feed legions of Roman soldiers. But when overtaken by demons, they fling themselves along with the demons into the sea. The usual uh, interpretation goes, and that's how they were destroyed. It says they were drowned. But I learned this week that pigs are excellent swimmers. Yes, the garrison demoniac too. Yes. The pig keepers, the swine herds, ran off and came back with a crowd who began to ask Jesus, when would he be leaving this place? The headlines that morning read, Jesus destroys local economy. Jesus cares more about demons than hardworking people. <laughs> Anthropological philosopher, Rene Girard theorized that mimicry or group assimilation is a natural step 
in the organizing of any system of people. Girard shows how human beings do not, do not naturally organize for something nearly as efficiently as we organize against something. Does anybody else notice this? I've thought this for a long time, and this week I found my man who told me about it in really academic, beautiful language. Fear and anger, turns out, are easy motivators. Hope and faith, though, require something of us. Think about a disorganized group of people through imitation, the chaos of individual clashing with individual can eventually transform into unity of all against one. The principle of the scapegoat. Gerard believed that out of the corpse of the scapegoat victim grows the sacrificial cult, which is the origin of every society. Now, before you get depressed over that, I think there's really good news to be had. Gerard interprets Mark 5 in his book, The Scapegoat, and I highly recommend it. How have the people in Mark 5 unified their neighborhood? By condemning the demoniac and keeping him present to remind themselves of how they have scapegoated him. They can hear him howling from his place of exile. Is there a scapegoat in your life somewhere? I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but have you noticed a scapegoat in your family or your office? My friend Julie called me one Thanksgiving and she said, all of my in-laws are here. I am the Omega female for the weekend. She was the scapegoat. Remember the scapegoat in junior high? It's such an easy system, childish and cruel. For decades, power-hungry people have tried to designate LGBTQ people as the global scapegoat. They've pinned earthquakes and hurricanes on us and accused us of much worse. Rene Girard writes that throughout history, scapegoats are almost always falsely accused of violating children. Since this time last year, State legislatures have introduced over 775 bills targeting the LGBTQ community. 275 of them are from this year. It's not even February. There are only 50 states. I mean, what? Over 15 per state. The list of scapegoats is long. Just in recent years, people of Asian descent attacked in San Francisco. Black people, poor people, poor people blamed with poverty, Muslims and Jews, disabled people, mentally ill and immigrants. Even the city of San Francisco has become a scapegoat. Following Tony Bravo's example, I've started posting beautiful pictures of San Francisco online and writing, what a dump. Avoid the doom loop at all costs. Here is where today's story turns. Once the demoniac is possessed no more, the people who scapegoated him realize they will now have to live alongside him. 
Jesus has honored his request not to be deported out of the country. The scapegoat is now coming to dinner. No wonder they're angry. No wonder they're fearful. The guy who used to howl from the cemetery naked as a jaybird is now legit, fully clothed, and a member of the community. Now he makes sense. How did that happen? Jesus has destroyed how they organized their society. Through love, Jesus has dismantled the system of tribalism. With God's help, we can dismantle tribalism too before it destroys young people, any more of our families, before it destroys our government, before it destroys our spirits. We can do it. Jesus just showed us how. Love the scapegoat back into the community, back into the tribe. And this is why I am a preacher in a system that used to malign me. I am here to tell you that freedom in Jesus is real. It's more real than chains. For the early church, salvation meant living together with the Holy Spirit, a kind of paradise that could not be achieved by any individual. The garden of the Holy Spirit, where everybody struggled to be better people, where serpents still roamed, where my salvation is intimately woven with your salvation. We can only be saved together. Amen. Join us for worship every Sunday at Calvary Presbyterian Church on Fillmore Street in San Francisco, or watch our live stream at calpres.org worship.